We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to talk about the devastating consequences of the contemporary movement to follow your heart, to be your true self, of self-actualization, of this constant navel-gazing, this narcissism, of elevating self over the law, with no restraints, no boundaries. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. Today's topic is going to be focused on the land of crazy, the consequences of following your heart. This contemporary movement, even one that many of us have bought into when we tell our children, well, you can be anything you want to be. Just follow your heart. The movement of self-actualization that many of us learned while we were in college, the movement that came out of the 60s and 70s and 80s, where understanding the self, satisfying the self, being true to yourself, was considered the highest good, the summum bonum, Latin for highest good, the ultimate pinnacle of human existence. Follow your heart. Be true to yourself. Be what you want to be. Self-actualization. Well, I've got a couple stories I want to share with you today that were given to me by talk show hosts from other shows. Every week I serve as a guest for other radio show hosts. I do a show in Cleveland, Ohio every Thursday morning with Bob Franz. I'm on as his guest on cultural issues, often religious issues in the news, And I'm on his show for a half hour every Thursday morning up there in Cleveland. Yesterday, I was on with Sandy Rios of American Family Radio, and we were talking about a variety of topics. And as I do these other shows, I was on with Don Crow out of Maryland yesterday. Often what pops up is a common thread, a common theme. And because we're talking about cultural issues, issues that are prevalent in the news, often the extreme, the bizarre... Uh, the consequences of ideas that have carried themselves out to the greater edges, the furthest edges of our sanity. Often those stories will pop up. And we'll find a common thread in those stories. Why are we where we are in our culture right now? Is it possible that our appetite for the bizarre, for the strange, for the unusual, for the sinful, our appetite for these things, these ideas, these ideas are actually bearing consequences in our culture, the way we are living with ourselves and with each other and with God? Is it possible that when you see the extremes being discussed, that the extreme is going to become normalized in the near future? For example, you know, 10 years ago, when some of us were warning of where the LGBTQIA rainbow movement would go, when we said, look, if you start 
defining people by their desires if the human being becomes nothing but the sum total of his inclinations. Your identity is nothing other than what you're inclined to do. If we create legal categories, minority categories of people just on the basis of what their passions and their proclivities are, where will it end? You're suggesting that you should do that with gays and lesbians, that because they want to do it, that's who they are. You're creating these categories of human beings, these minority classes, classes of people that are driven by what Gore Vidal called behavioral adjectives rather than ontological identities. If we do that with this particular group of people, where will it stop? If your desire for one type of sex defines you as a minority class and gives you legal protection therein, then why wouldn't your desire for other types of things also define you legally? You know, is it going to stop with consensual sex between same-sex individuals? Where will it lead? Will it lead to consensual sex in, with other species? Will it lead to the dumbing down of the age of consent? You know, what, what, what makes 16 magic? Maybe it should be 15. Maybe it should be 14. We know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg even discussed that in some of her legal opinions. It's an arbitrary number, right? So perhaps we should discuss changing the age of consent. And if children have the legal right to say, well, I don't think I should be a boy or a girl any longer. I'm going to define myself as something different than what I biologically and physio physiologically am. If they have the legal right and the authority, if they're mature enough to do that, then why aren't they mature enough to make other decisions with regard to their sexuality and their sexual expression? You see where this can go. It, 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 it's going to lead to adult and child sex being normalized. It can't go anyplace else. Legally and logically, that's where it is going to go. There are consequences to ideas, or of ideas, I should say. Well, today I want to talk about a couple incredibly bizarre stories that are prevalent in the news right now. One is from the Daily Mail in Great Britain. And this one, this one is a story about a man who is having his body tattooed and various different portions of his body amputated and split and altered so that he will become, become a black alien to the point where he's having fingers amputated, his ears cut off, body implants, his tongue split, his upper lip removed, his nose removed, and he's had fingers removed from his hands. You know, he's a healthy individual. He's 33 years old, but he's having body parts removed. Now, this sounds bizarre, right? But ask yourself the logical question. What's the difference between removing those healthy body parts and this current movement, the celebration in our culture of telling a woman, a biological female, to remove her body parts because she wants to be something that she's not? This guy wants to be an alien, so... He thinks aliens have hooks for hands rather than hands with multiple fingers. So he wants fingers removed so his hands look like hooks. He thinks an alien doesn't have ears or a nose that looks more like a lizard than a human being. So he's had his face altered accordingly, his tongue split. 
And now he wants his leg, his leg amputated because, in his view, an alien uh, only has one leg. So he wants a functioning, healthy leg removed from his body. It, the, this sounds bizarre. You say, oh, you're, you're, you're suggesting that's where we're going? Why wouldn't you? If it's okay to have healthy breasts removed and have a healthy uterus removed via mastectomy and hysterectomies, in order to make a woman a man and inject uh, steroids into her body so that she can grow a beard, if that's acceptable to alter the human body that way, then why would it not be legally acceptable to alter the human body in other ways? And if you can make believe that you're a woman when you're really a biological man, then why can't you make believe that you're an alien, even though you're a human being? Bizarre? Absolutely bizarre. But the logical consequences of terrible ideas. And then there's this story in the New York Times. The New York Times is now writing an article asking if cannibalism, if cannibalism has its time and place. Now there's an incredibly negative reaction to the New York Times piece, but why are we even talking about this? Why are we talking about human beings altering their bodies so that they can be aliens, remove fingers and legs, noses and ears, have yourself tattooed and have bodily implants put into your head so that you look like you've got horns, etc., etc.? Why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about defining the human being in a different way? than what we've all understood the human being to be. And if the human being is no different than other forms of life, if we are not exceptional, if there's no moral significance of the human being, if there's no greater moral significance of the human being than the dog, the pig, the cat, the cow, if we've all just risen up out of the primordial ooze and we're just different forms of, of evolution, of biological mass... If there's no morally significant difference between an amoeba and a human being, then why should one survive and the other not? And why should one be preserved in, in its natural form and defined objectively? What's wrong with just following your heart if your heart tells you to alter your body to such an extent that you look like something that you're really not? You're following your heart after all, right? You're being what you want to be. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and when we get back, I'm going to talk about these two stories and the consequences of following your heart. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Very quickly on these two stories, I don't want to belabor them in terms of details. I just want to share with you that they're real, and even though they're incredibly bizarre and very offensive, I want you to ask the question, where do our ideas take us? And if we untether ourselves from the laws of nature and nature's God, if we, if we declare that God's boundaries for life, God's definitions for life, the definition of man, the definition of woman, the definition of morality, the definition of immorality, the definition of what should be legal and what should not be legal, if we untether ourselves from those objective standards, where does it end? If there are no fences around the playground, 
Where will our play take us? Will it take us outside of God's natural playground, if you will, where we are safe and can enjoy ourselves within within the boundaries of freedom, God's fences? Where will our play, where will our imagination take us if those fences are torn down? I would argue that it will take us out into the highway where we will run over and get killed. You, you have no freedom without fences. You have no liberty without law. What happens when you tear down those fences and when you disregard that law is not greater liberty and not greater freedom. What happens is you become, you become enslaved to either the consequences of your own ideas or the consequences of someone else's. Here's, here's, here's an example of becoming enslaved to the consequences of your own ideas. The headline is, A Tattooed Man Who Plans to Become a Black Alien Now Wants One of His Legs Amputated. This is in the Daily Mail out of Great Britain. It was written on July 25th, 2022. Uh, just very quickly, a body modification enthusiast who dreams of becoming a black alien now wants to amputate one of his legs after he had two fingers cut off so that his hand looks like a claw. Anthony Lafredo 33, has already covered his body, including his eyeballs with tattoos, and removed his nose and top lip in his bid to look like a, quote, black alien. The Frenchman, who documents his dramatic physical alterations for his 1.2 million followers, now wants to go one step further and amputate a leg from the knee down. Lafredo, who has previously revealed his extreme look, has hindered him says his, uh, it's, his look has hindered him from finding work. You think? <laughs> you think? Okay, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. He's had his eyes removed. Excuse me, not his eyes. Forgive me. I don't know how you get your eyes tattooed, but he has his eyes are, are white. Uh, his nose is removed. His upper lip is gone so that his teeth are exposed. He's had implants all over his head that looks like uh, bumps or horns or kind of reptilian look. His, his ears are gone. Um, his body is almost completely black now because of multiple tattoos. Um, he's removed his fingers on one hand so that his hand looks more like a claw hook than it does a real hand. Now he's saying he, want his, he wants his legs removed. So he's following his heart, right? So what's wrong with that? He's being what he wants to be. He's being self-actualized. Why, why is this bad? Well, all of you listening right now are saying uh, you've taken it a step too far. You're suggesting that this is going to be normal. I I don't know anymore. Why is it normal to remove a woman's breast and give her a hysterectomy simply because she wants one? She's removing functioning, healthy body parts for the sake of delusion. Why is that something we're celebrating? And if you're like me and you criticize it, you're the bigot. You're a hater if you criticize a culture or profession for butchering women and removing healthy, functioning organs, sterilizing them permanently for the rest of their lives. If you criticize that and say, wait a second, this is not a good thing. This should not be something that we celebrate. And, and surely there, it's okay to raise your hand and say, wait a second, this is kind of misogynistic, is it? This dishonors women. It doesn't elevate them to buy into this lie, buy into this movement. And likewise, doesn't it dishonor this man, this 33-year-old Frenchman, doesn't it dishonor him to enable him, to affirm him as he cuts off his ears and his nose and his fingers and now a leg? 
in his quest to be something that he's not? Shouldn't we step in his way and say, stop, you're, you're outside the boundaries of the playground. You're not going to enjoy yourself any longer. And there are going to be consequences if we just celebrate everybody following their heart to the ultimate extreme where body mutilation under the banner of body modification is now a good thing because people are just being what they want to be. And, and then there's this story in the New York Times. It's a story that many of you might have stumbled across this last week where they ask the question, does cannibalism have its time and its place? Now, in fairness, this article doesn't necessarily promote cannibalism. What it's doing is it's featuring multiple books and movies and TV series that are being produced right now and published right now across the nation, across the world, where cannibalism is somehow a fat, an infatuation. Everybody is uh, intrigued with cannibalism. This this is causing some people to scratch their head and ask, what is going on? Now, the fact that the New York Times used that title as clickbait is revealing in and of itself. Really, really, they're going to wash their hands of this right now and say, well, we weren't promoting cannibalism. Well, you're the ones who chose the title. Does cannibalism have its time and its place? Of course, people are going to click on that, assuming that your question was an honest one that you're actually in some sort of moral limbo. You're not sure. You're asking the question. You're asking the question of your leaders. Is there a time and a place where cannibalism is going to be okay? And then you feature movie after movie, book after book, series after series, where cannibalism is actually the main theme, the plot of the story. Now, what's the common thread between that cannibalism story and this this guy that wants to be an alien. It's the degradation of the human body. It's the denial of the objective reality of the human being. It's the dumbing down of the human being to being nothing more than a dog, a pig, a cat, a cow, or even an amoeba or a virus or a bacteria. Because, you know, we're all products of the primordial ooze, right? We all rose up out of the out of the evolutionary swamp. There's no moral distinction between one biological mass and another biological mass. I mean, what gives human beings the right to assume that we're somehow morally superior to a horse or a cow or a monkey or an ape? I mean, what makes us any different? We're all the same, right? You see where I'm going with this. When you buy the lie of radical Darwinism, then you're going to suffer the consequences of those assumptions. And you're going to get to some of these places. If the human being is not made in the image of God, if the human being is nothing but, but an, a higher form of the evolutionary process in terms of the movement from dog, pig, cat, cow, ape, human, if this is all just a process, where did we become morally significant or any better? Why should you preserve the human race above any other race? And you have to ask, ask yourself the logical question. Why is it important to even step in the way of Mother Nature and evolution? And if global warming kills us all and the Earth has to start all over again through the evolutionary cycle, then why are we fretting so much about it? Why do we want to preserve anything? 
Que sera, sera, let it, let, let it be, right? Follow your heart. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we're all going to die. Anyway, the place is going to burn up. The, the, the secular worldview, the worldview of climate change, global warming, LGBTQIA, SJW, CRT, BLM, the worldview of these folks is a worldview that has no cohesion. It doesn't hold together because you claim to be for justice, but just justice for what? If human beings are no different than an amoeba or a bacteria or a rat, why should we be preserved and rats be exterminated? And if you're going to start preserving the rats because they're of equal value to us, then you're going to have disease and plague across the land. It's called the bubonic plague. Millions of people are going to die. So you've got all of these contradictions. You claim that you want to save the planet for the sake of human existence, and then you start creating policies that are going to decrease the human population because people don't have enough food, and you're going to have starvation. You're going to have massive poverty and the consequences therein. We're already seeing that in countries that are being run over by the World Economic Forum, arrogant elitists. These policies make no sense. But where does it all start? It starts with the bizarre. It starts with the extreme. It starts with us entertaining very, very bad ideas. And when I use the word entertain, I mean that. We entertain ourselves with movies, with songs, with TV programs with books that push the boundaries. And these boundaries have been pushed to the extent that we now are infatuated with cannibalism. We're reading a lot about it. We're watching TV programs about it, movies about it, to the point where the New York Times is featuring all of these various different programs and books. And they're asking the question, does cannibalism have its time and place? Now, when you read the comments on social media with regard to this story, you'll see that a lot of people, dozens of people, hundreds of people, are actually going there. They're asking the question, well, you know, what's the difference? Uh, if we're not going to all be vegan, then if we're all going to buy into the idea that you can butcher cattle or chickens or eat fish, then why are we so disgusted with cannibalism. They're actually asking that question. As appalling as it is, they're asking that question. Why? Because ideas have consequences, and the ideas that have led us to this place are ideas without boundaries. The fences of freedom have been torn down, and those fences are constructed with the posts of truth, the posts of the Ten Commandments, the posts of the biblical definition of man and woman, the posts of scientific facts versus emotions and opinions and feelings. Ontological reality of a woman, for example. The moral fact that adults should not use children for their sexual agendas. The fact that you shouldn't follow your heart all the time because your heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. You shouldn't be satisfied with the fact that you're born that way because all of us are born into sin and we have a corrupted way of viewing the world and behaving within it. We have to be born again. We have to be redeemed. The Bible says that those who are in Christ are transformed. They're not transgendered. They are new creations. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. 
Paul says that to the church of Corinth. So when you read stories like this grotesque cannibalism story in the New York Times, and when you read this story of these bizarre situations, and this guy in Great Britain that's having his ears cut off, his nose cut off, his tongue split, his upper lip removed, fingers removed, and now he's lobbing to get a leg removed. When you read stories like this, because the guy's just following his heart, he's doing what he wants to do, he's being what he wants to be. Stop and think about the way we've trained our own children to believe they can be anything that they want to be. And we affirm them when they do foolish things. We affirm them rather than challenge them and confront them. We want them to be comfortable. We want them to be happy. Enjoy themselves. You know what? If you're doing something wrong and harmful to your body, no, I don't want you to enjoy yourself. And no, I'm not going to affirm you. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to say, wait a second. If you keep playing outside the boundaries, if you keep jumping the fence, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get run over in the road. There was a reason for the fence in the first place. There is no freedom without fences. There is no liberty without law. That's just a paradox, a truthful paradox of our existence. You know, God rescued the Israelites from Egypt. The Exodus is the story of them leaving Egypt, leaving the bondage, excuse me, leaving the bondage and the slavery of Egypt to gain their own freedom. But what did God give them immediately on their journey from Egypt to the promised land? He gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them his law. So he led them out of the bondage and slavery of Egypt, and he immediately gave them the law, the fences for the freedom that he intended for them. Without that law, there would be no freedom, and they would either return to Egypt to enjoy the food, to enjoy the comfort of bondage and slavery, or they would create their own bondage and slavery by virtue of their own sin and their own quest for power. This is the story behind this guy that wants his leg removed and this guy that wants to alter his body. Be what he wants to be. Follow his heart. It's the story it's the story of LGBTQIABLMSJWCRT. It's also the story behind this cannibalism thing. It's pushing the boundaries, tearing down the walls, entertaining ourselves with ideas that are broken. Bad ideas. Bad ideas that lead to bad places. Should we follow our heart into these dark alleyways, these dark places? of debauchery and sin, confusion, bondage, slavery, body mutilation, dishonoring of the Imago Dei, the human being, and equating the human being with the animal and suffering the consequences therein. No, we shouldn't follow our heart. In fact, Jeremiah 17:9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It is beyond cure. Who can understand it? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.